Uh, I hope you, a couple of you have found a, a Bible passage that you will share later on, um, but I'm going to share from the book of Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet, and the reason is that God laid upon his heart to say hard things, to say things that people didn't want to hear. And one of those things he said to them is that God was going to use Babylon to bring God's people to repentance, that they would be at war and they would lose. Can you imagine how unpopular that was? It landed him in prison. Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter, I'm going to begin reading at the first verse. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, the army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, will, but will certainly be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and will speak with him face to face, and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. And then the scriptures do a funny thing here. We go from this unpopular word to a real estate deal. Listen to this. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth. Because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the garden and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it and buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel, and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deal, and it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In the presence, in their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both sealed and unsealed, copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. Ah, sovereign Lord, 
You made the heavens and earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. May the Holy Spirit that is moving amongst us break through any wall we put up that we would hear from God today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So, as I studied this passage and, and, and realized that uh, Jeremiah had bought a worthless field. This was, you know, just worth nothing because Babylon was going to come take it over. And I thought, were there real estate agents in the ancient world? Were there people who sold land? And, and when they overheard that Jeremiah was buying this land, did they think, what, what is happening? If it happened today, I think it'd be something like this. Hey, folks, I'm Crazy Eddie at Crazy Eddie's Real Estate and Exchange. And we're here to give you low, 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 low commissions. Nobody's going to take less commission than we are. Now, I know what you're saying. How can I do an investment in this age? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, just to give you an example, I got friends who make socks. They've been making socks for years. Fewer and fewer people can even afford socks. I got people who sell cows. The Joneses right down the road. They've been selling cows for years. And people are buying fewer and fewer cows. I got some friends, the Nazis, and they make decks and porches. And nobody's buying them. So you see what I'm saying? The sock market is down. The Cal Jones average is down. And the NASDAQ is down. <laughs> Thank you. So what you're saying is, how can I make money? How can I invest in this kind of market? Have I got a deal for you? Here's what I want you to invest in. War-torn countries and the land that's there. I've got a plot of land in Ukraine that you can get for a steal right now. I've got a plot of land that's sitting on an active volcano. It could be yours for a low, low, low price. Oh, we've got a caller. Are you there? Who is it? Jeremiah, Jeremiah, so you're interested in purchasing some land in a war-torn country. So you're going to get it at dirt cheap. Where are you going to buy? Jerusalem. Uh, I know it's my job to sell this stuff, but Jeremiah, that's a terrible idea. You buy that land, you'll never live on it. Conquerors are going to come in, you'll never see it. You'll lose all your money. Don't do it. Who told you to buy it? Buy it. Um, you want to learn a fancy theological word? Eschatological action. See, I went to Duke Cemetery, uh, sem Seminary. And um, <laughs> Jeremiah did an eschatological action. That's what prophets did. Not only did they speak the word of God, but they lived the Word of God. So by buying this piece of land that would soon be overtaken by the enemy, what Jeremiah was doing was not living in the present reality, but living in God's future promise. And that is a beautiful thing to be able to do, that our lives not be based on what's happening around us or what family we come from or what struggles we are, but to live today in the promises God has for us tomorrow. I want to get to that. I want to get to that beautiful tree. But before we get to there, we got to get to the point that God spoke to Jeremiah. 
And God spoke to Jeremiah in a surprising way and asking him to do a surprising thing. And I want to say to you that God is still speaking to his people. Now, I asked some of you if, if you had a Bible verse that you could share. And so I'm going to try to see if somebody raised their hand, just one Bible verse, say it as loud as you can out there. Anybody got one before I call on Kim? Anybody? Yes, please. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, Psalm 30. Did anybody look up Jeremiah 1.5? I don't know what it is, and I want to know. Yes, please. Amen, amen. Can I get one more? Anybody got one verse? Yes, please, right there. Amen and amen. Now, here's what you get to do. You get to get, let people look weird at you. I want you to run into somebody that you know and say, God spoke to me. I mean, audibly, I heard God speak to me. And let them take for a moment, just look at you like, have you lost your mind? Are you all right? Are you taking your meds? Are you okay? Because when you hear Scripture, God is speaking to you. And so, why, why would we neglect this? Why, why, would, why would we not want to spend time in that? Well, there are a lot of reasons. You could say that uh, this is an ancient book and sometimes it's hard to understand. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, our lives are busy and we get out of the habit. Absolutely, absolutely. But the reason we avoid this book is, is that it's a mirror to our soul. That's what James said. And, and so, we avoid it because it convicts us. It calls us to a different life. Now, um, if you could have a mirror, and every time you looked at it, you got better looking, would you look at that mirror? <laughs> Some of you don't need it, I know. <laughs> well, Scripture not only convicts us of sin, but it calls us to forgiveness and redemption. You see that? The Bible is the pathway to a new life, a life of hope. And so today, today, you get to hear from heaven. I don't know about you. Have there been times in my life I just wish God would speak to me? Have there been times in my life that I cried out that very thing? And I promise you that across this world, there's somebody who just wishes God would speak to them. And you and I, as the Bible becomes a part of our life, as we allow the Word of God to speak to us, we can remind people God is still speaking in power and might. And one of those verses you might need to hear later in life. This week it might come back to your mind. Not only does God speak through Scripture, but, but God speaks through people. And, and I heard a preacher say one time um, that if you cannot listen to your Christian brother or sister, you probably won't listen to the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is uh, uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro gave him advice. He was overwhelmed, and, and, and people were coming to him all day to solve problems. And, and Jethro, his father-in-law, said, you need to get 12 people under you and, and, and delegate some of this. And it, it, it was God speaking through, through Jethro, God speaking through family. When, when I was courting Renee, uh, uh, 
one of the first things I did with her dad, he, he raised pigs, and he asked me if I'd go with him to pick out some piglets, and I'd never done that, so I did. And I was there with him, and I saw a little piglet I thought would be a good one, and I was about to reach down there, and he said, don't do that. <laughs> that Mama Sal's going to bite your arm off. <laughs> Sometimes family, God can use. That, those are the ones we don't want to hear from, right? Right? The genius of Methodism in its early years was not the preaching of John Wesley, but small groups of people who would hold one another accountable. Do you have that in your life? You got some people in your life who you study the Scripture with, who help you see it in a new light. You got anybody that loves you enough to say, how's your prayer life? You got anybody who loves you enough to call you to use your gifts and graces to serve God? I met some of the folks in, in your church at the youth retreat. I think her name was Jenna. I think so. Curly hair. Am I getting the right name? Jana. Jana. So someday, Jana's going to watch you interact with folks, and, and she's going to look at you and say, you know, you would be great to work with middle school children. And you're going to go, oh, what have I done wrong? Do you hate me? Why would you ask me to do that? You got somebody that will call you to step out in faith. That sees what God is doing in your life. And says, I think God could use you in this way. Are you open to hearing from God's people? Because if you, if you can't hear from God's people... You, you may not be hearing from the Holy Spirit. I love what Carolyn Moore said to our youth this past weekend. She's reminded us, though, God does speak through our friends, our family, our neighbors. God speaks to us through strangers sometimes. But it's never in contradiction to the Word of God. You and I, that's how we can know the truth. Because if it contradicts the Word of God, it isn't from God. Can I tell you a story that I can't remember if I told a couple years back. Um, when I was in college, my friend Scott's dad was a prisoner of war, and he, he, he remained in captivity almost longer than anybody in Vietnam. And I got to meet him, and he opened up, and he told us the story that uh, they put him in, in the tiniest little cage, a cage you'd put a dog in, and I mean a tiny dog. And they left him there for a long time. And they would read letters from his family. And they would tell him, your family doesn't love you anymore. And your wife wants a divorce. And he said, you know, of all the, the torture they did to him, that one didn't work. Because he knew his family loved him. And he knew his wife loved him. And because he knew the truth, he couldn't be lied to. If you want to know the truth, it is revealed in God's Word. So, Hanamel, I just like to say it like that. I think that's the right pronunciation, Hanamel. I just like to say it. Imagine when he came home uh, and told his wife that he had uh, done this land deal with, uh, with their cousin. Uh, maybe she didn't think it was a good idea to cheat family. Guys, I'm really in trouble. She has not spoken to me for days. <laughs> Honey, how long are you going to be mad at me? It's not my fault. He knew what he was getting into. You, 
you hear what he used to say, he'd always say, oh, Babylon's going to conquer. God's bringing us to repentance. But someday, God's going to restore it. All I did was say, put your money where your mouth is. Listen to her. For 28 years of marriage, she's been correcting me every day. Always finding something wrong. What did you say? 29 years. 29 years. <laughs> when was he 29? Oh, that's today? I'm really in trouble. So, God spoke to Jeremiah and said, buy this land, buy this worthless land. And he did. And that was an act of faith in what God was going to do. Now, have you ever worked in a nursery in church? Have you ever held somebody else's baby? You ever taken care of a stranger's baby? You didn't get to hear the sermon. You didn't get to be a part of a Sunday school class. You missed whatever group was singing. And you didn't even get to study the Bible yourself because you had your hands full with somebody else's baby. If you did, you did an act of faith. Because you wanted those parents to hear the gospel. You wanted them to have just a moment to hear from the Word of God. You did an act of faith. This past weekend, the altar was full of young people praying. And I believe God's moving in might and power in their lives. And I believe that some of them will look back upon that moment as a pivotal moment in their life. That their life will move in a different direction because of what God did in that moment. And if you've ever given a dime or a bit of time, then you have been a part of what God's going to do in the future. Can I get an amen? Even worship... It is an act of the faith of what God's going to do in the future. We don't know how weird worship is. Because we, you know, the, the, the tradition of our churches, of our nation, we, we've heard of worship. Um, but if you've never been a part of it, it is weird. It is weird. And to give you an example, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school, when you go see your neighbors, just break out in a song in the middle of it. Just start singing, achy, breaky heart, don't break my heart. We don't do that. We don't break out into a song, right? That's weird. The reason we do it here is there are some truths so great that words aren't enough. The knowledge that Christ loves us, has redeemed us, has called us to a new life is so good that words aren't enough. You just got to break out in song. You just got to shout it. It is too good. <laughs> to open up the scriptures is an, an act of faith. To be involved in mission is an act of faith. There's so many missions this church is doing that you could get plugged into. And there are new missions that some of you are going to start. And you don't have all the answers and you don't know uh, everything you're supposed to do. But, but God has laid upon your heart. You've, you've heard the call to do a new mission. And it's been confirmed by other believers. And get ready. Because God's going to do something big. Step out in faith. That's, that's not blind faith. It's, it's a direction God's leading you, but it is a little beyond you, a little more than you're comfortable with. Now, can I say that when our gifts and graces meets God's calling, that's the sweet spot. 
If you love to lead worship and you get to lead worship, isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? If you, if you love to do a Bible study and you get to do a Bible, oh, that's a sweet spot. I pray that for your life, that sweet spot. But occasionally, there's some times that God calls you to do something. You, know, you don't have any gifts or any inclination, but there's a great need and you're a willing person. And, and it, even then, God can do great things. I grew up in a tiny church on a good Sunday. On a homecoming, we'd have 45, but mainly about 30. And so we needed somebody to lead the youth, and nobody wanted to do it. And we had a couple people volunteer who weren't very good at it. They didn't like youth. They got on their nerves. But they wanted them. They wanted me to know that God could use me. And they walked in obedience. And I hope God blessed them as much as those people who, who did not like youth blessed me. This was a real real estate deal. You see all that? Signed in front of witnesses. Copies of documents. When's the last time you sold a piece of property? Renee and I a couple years ago sold a house. It was something like this. I just take a moment, just uh, come in here, just uh, uh, have a few documents for you to sign. If you just sign your name right there and put your initials right there, we're almost all done. Now, you turn the page over there, you just sign right here and right here and right here. And if you just read that little part right there and sign there and there and there, and we just need your initials right there. And you wouldn't happen to know your grandmother's maiden name, would you? We're going to need that right there and right there. Well, look at that, Jeremiah. You just purchased a worthless piece of land. People were looking at him, going, what is he doing? If he really believed Babylon was going to conquer, what, what is he doing? I don't know his facial reaction. I would have loved to have been there. I loved to have been there when they sealed those documents in clay because I just wondered, did he do this? He knew something, and he shared it. Nothing is impossible for God. I don't, yes, Lord, that's worthy of it. Worthy of praise. Worthy is his name. If you need to write something on your heart, if you need to take home something from this worship service, take that home. Because this week, I want you to remember, nothing is impossible for God. I don't know what you are facing. I don't know what family you have come out of. I don't know what struggles you have. I don't know whether it's addiction or brokenness or depression. I don't know if you have given up. I don't know if you are facing a medical problem. I don't know if you're facing a problem. You've been hanging on to it for a very, very long time. I want you to remember that one verse of Scripture because God is still speaking and He is saying to you, nothing is impossible with me. We got, uh, I'm going to stop talking about this uh, youth retreat in a couple weeks. Uh, well, you won't hear it because I'll be talking about it some other place. But um, we invited my friend Russ Klopfelter. Uh He and I have known one another for a number of years. I've, and uh, he, he has shared with me his ministry, but I never got to work with him together. And he told me he always wanted to do that. And um, he had told me that he always wanted to share his faith at Fort Caswell. He went as a teenager uh, to Fort Caswell and Christ moved in his life. 
You should look him up, Russ Clodfelter Ministries. Um, powerful, powerful testimony. He has cerebral palsy. And so for most of his childhood and early teenage years, he, he couldn't communicate except typing something to somebody. But because of technology, he was given a voice. And he has shared the power of Christ with thousands of people. But I got to see him live at 7 a.m. on a pier at Fort Caswell. And one of the first things he said to the young people and the old people, he said, when you first saw me, you felt sorry for me. And he said, through a, an electronic voice, I'm so glad I get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. See, years ago he wanted to, but the technology just wasn't there yet for him. And it was his greatest joy to look out to young people and say, God loves you and he wants all of you. And, and, he, and, he, and he spoke specifically about social media to them, about how the, the, everything they say is either a witness towards God or a wall against God. And you could have heard a pin drop on that pier. Years ago, if you had asked Russ, do you think you'll ever get to preach? He'd have said, yes, because nothing is impossible for our God. As we stand and worship, um, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. And, and my invitation to prayer today is to hear from heaven. Uh, that, that God wants to speak to your heart. And, and just to be open there, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? What, what is this era that I'm living in? God, what do you want me to learn from that? Or, or maybe you need a word of hope that there's a better tomorrow, that God has a plan. Or maybe God's laid upon you, Lord, what do you want me to do with what I've been through? That's a scary prayer. That's a scary prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do with, with what I've been through? God is good at taking broken things and turn them into beautiful things. The cross is proof of that. That used to be a sign of execution. In Jesus' day, if you saw that, you thought of pain and torture. But when you see a cross today, you, you see redemption. You see new life. God wants to do that in and through. Holy moment here. This whole worship service for this moment. For you to, to, to seek after God. Lord, speak to me. I need to hear from you. Let go of some things. Surrender some things. Ask for God's help in some things. But don't miss this opportunity just to pray. If, if you want to pray yourself, just by yourself, you kneel and pray. If you want somebody to pray with you, there are lots of folks in the leadership of this church that would love to do that. You just tap a shoulder and they would be glad to do that. Can I ask you to stand at this time? And can I invite you, as the Lord leads you, as you hear from the Holy Spirit, come and pray.